Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Miss Danielle, and this is Help a Human Out. Last week, we took the week off. Producers on our team got to see family that they hadn't seen since before the pandemic. And we are a family-first sort of podcast, so I was like, yeah, let's do that. Enjoy your mama. This week, we are talking about something really personal to me. For those of you who don't know, uh, yes, I am Miss Danielle. I used to go by Danny Starr. A little backstory on that. When I was 19 years old, I walked right into media. It was a job that kind of landed in my lap. I had no idea what I was doing, but apparently I was just naturally good at it. And I met a radio DJ at a nightclub. I told him my name was Danny. I had never gone by Danny at that point. I was just Danielle. And I said I was Danny and I was born to be a star. And lo and behold, Danny Star, a 19-year-old with all her dreams. Danny Star, she was born. And she worked her ass off. And if you're wondering why I'm talking about her in the third person, it's because she doesn't exist anymore. I'm very much Miss Danielle. It has been a long-ass journey. Uh, The journey started in Minneapolis at a radio station called B96. It was the hip-hop radio station in the Twin Cities. It was amazing. I was working alongside people like Zany Kay and Tony Fly, and these were huge radio personalities that I had grown up listening to. So I was in this world and completely just in it. I was excited, and I was good at it. And it was natural. It just came so natural, and nothing really came natural to me. I um, had to work really, really hard at school. I had, you know, I, I got good grades, but I had to work really hard. So you know, Danny Starr and talking on the radio was something that came so natural that I just stuck around. And that was a career that pretty much lasted about 17 years. I worked at a bunch of different radio stations, also worked for the TLC network, did a little reality TV. Friends, this is my reminder that reality TV is not real in case you see me on some of those episodes and you're like, what the hell? That is not my Miss Danielle. No, it is not. That is Danny Starr, not a real person. Media meant a lot to me, and I left. And people don't really understand why I left, because sometimes it's hard to fully explain it. People have ideas about why I left media. They have assumptions and perspectives. But I guess the only person who can really talk about why I left media is me. And it's not easy to talk about. It's a very hurtful story. It's about... um, toxic masculinity and racism and sexism and abuse. It's all of that wrapped into this pretty package that you get to listen to when you turn on your radio. But behind the scenes, it is not a safe place for women. That I can attest to and I can tell you that it caused a lot of trauma for me. Years ago, I was a member of The Kane Show, 
huge, huge nationally syndicated morning show heard in places like Washington, D.C., Virginia, Baltimore, Maryland, Tampa Bay, Florida, Louisville, Memphis. It was a big show. And it was the biggest job I had ever gotten. I went from making intern money to making six figures when I landed on The Kane Show. And it was mind-blowing to me. It was a dream job. It was the first time I had ever gotten an out-of-state job. It was the first time I was moving anywhere out of the state that I lived my entire life for anything else. Went to college in Minnesota. I was a Minnesota girl, and I packed my bags up and moved all the way across the country to good old Washington, D.C., and my entire life changed. I worked alongside of a man who at first seemed incredible, and I really appreciated the opportunity and everything that came with it. And little by little, (laughs) I realized that I was in an abusive relationship. It was not a spouse. It was not a person that I lived with. But it absolutely was an abusive relationship that I endured for many years, um, sitting across from my male co-host of one of the biggest, most popular morning shows in the country. I... I'm not Danny Starr. I am Miss Danielle, and I would never, ever handle things now the way that I did back then. But Danny Starr was a survivor. My job these days is not just to survive, it is to live, to thrive, to be social justicely driven in all areas, to be anti racist instead of being quiet when I hear racist things. Many, many, many different things happened uh, in my time during the Kane show. A lot of people were hurt. A lot of harm was caused. A lot of therapy, friends. It was so much therapy. Oh, my God. Beth got, oh, Beth, I love you, and I thank you for the years of support and all the stories you had to hear because, holy hell, did that put me into some crazy therapy. Um, There were times when I had to go into intensive therapy where I was doing an entire week of sessions as opposed to, you know, once a week or monthly. The experience was one that could have broken me. It didn't. And I'm so grateful. I've grown. I'm a different person, hence why I no longer go by Danny Starr. Is she dead to me? Yeah, she she is. Um, I remember certain things very fondly now. And I realized that so much pain has been wrapped up into that story and it doesn't really deserve. He doesn't deserve to steal all of the joy that I built and all of the accomplishments that I achieved because he was so horrible. I'm going to walk you through a story that's not just mine, It's a story that belongs to quite a few other people, women and men. Quite a few people had similar experiences with the same abuser. Everybody sees things through a different lens, though. And so it was important for me, when telling this story, that people know that it specifically is my story. 
this is the way I see it. This is what happened to me. And it's not negotiable. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to invite a friend in to also tell her story. And it's not negotiable because we lived it. We don't have to prove anything. We don't have to. And the story has a tragic ending and also a happy ending. Somebody dies. And other people learn to deal and heal from major, major trauma. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who have been in abusive relationships, and I want to name that these conversations are never easy, and I'm fully aware of that. First, I'm so sorry for what you've been through. I see you. I hear you, I feel you, I am you. Thank you for your resilience. I know it's not easy, and I also know that sometimes when we wear that badge of resilience, it makes us mad. We don't always want to be resilient. We're just forced into these situations that require an, a ridiculous amount of resilience. Now, I am so proud of movements like Me Too and Time's Up and all of these things that really, really put women at the forefront, that really care to make a difference. But back then, there was no Me Too. There was no Time's Up. There was me trying to survive in a horrific, abusive work relationship. And I was able to survive Because when it all came crashing down, I realized it wasn't just me. There were other people who had come before me. There were people that were still healing. And Sarah Frazier was one of those people. Sarah is now my friend, and trust me, it did not start off like that. She, uh... (laughs) She was my enemy at first, an enemy gift-wrapped and handed to me by my abuser because, of course, you can't befriend someone who has also been abused by your abuser because then you realize he's abusive. So before knowing Sarah, I thought she was a crazy person, and I'm sorry about that, friend. But she is not, and she is here to tell her side of the story through her lens which connects to my story, and so we'll be telling you two stories in one. Sarah Frazier is a media personality and comedian. She's hilarious, by the way. She's a former radio personality, formerly of Hot 99.5, The Kane Show, and Sarah Ty and Mel on DC's 107.3. Sarah, Sarah is a current contributor on Fox 5 DC and hosts her top trending podcast show, The Sarah Frazier Show on Spotify and beyond. Sarah has been through some shit and I know it because I've been through some shit right along with her and the person that put her through all the shit is the same person who did it to me too so here's part one of my conversation with Sarah Frazier Sarah 
Sarah, it is so good to have you on the podcast first and foremost. You know, I love you. Um, Danielle, the feeling is mutual. I mean, uh, our lives full circle. I mean, so many things happened to us, girl, that have intertwined us. It's crazy. It is crazy. And this is why we are here once again to talk about our journey and our friendship and everything in between. So Sarah, I have to tell you that first and foremost, it's mind blowing that we're here. I would have never in a million years thought that we were going to be having this conversation. So I'm going to name that never, ever. It is Just, It is so surreal and strange. And I'm sure, I don't know if you felt this way, but definitely in the past like month and a half or two months, sometimes I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that person is gone. Yes. Okay. So to backtrack just a little bit, this is a complicated story, but it's important. So what happens when someone who harmed you or an abuser, right? What happens when someone who harms you or an abuser dies and they were never held accountable, right? Or they were never sorry. At least you didn't know they were ever sorry because they never said something to you. And as I saw the question, I knew instantly that it was time to have this conversation with you, Sarah, <laughs> because, oh, yes. holy hell, don't we know what this feels like? We totally know. We we have lived it. How many years ago did you leave the show now? It's, it's <sighs> Some days it feels like a decade ago, and some days it's like some of the situations pop back into my head, and they're so just, <gasps> and I can't believe I lived through certain things. I know. Well, right. I, I was thinking about it because it was eight, I think it was eight years ago. Yeah, it was 2013 that I left the Kane show. And, but you're right because, you know, the funny part, and you know, this is the show was so popular. Um, yeah. When I was on, when I left, when you came and it, it got even more popular. And then, so people still have such fond memories and, you know, the show was heard by hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, because it was syndicated. Yeah. All over the country. Right. So people still hop in my DMs as I'm sure they do for you all the time. And are like, Hey, I used to love you on the show. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah. So you're, you're kind of, it's constantly brought back up for, for both of us. Right. So we've been a part, we have not been a part of the Kane show for a really, well, in our opinions, a really long time, but for other people, it's like overnight. And that's why I think they, they keep reaching out. So Sarah and I worked on, uh, the Kane show. Sarah was the female co-host before I was the female co-host. And Sarah and I only worked together for one day on the air. It was like kind of a, a handoff, like a, Hey, don't hate this girl. Who's taking my place embrace her. And, and you know what? The crazy thing about it is Sarah, when I stood next to you that day, I knew that you were quality. Like I knew you were a quality person. I knew that when you told me like, you know, good luck and all those things that you meant it. And how were you feeling? <laughs> well, you know, like, my, well, of course, you know, because he was an abusive person. That's why we're here talking about this. You know, he yeah. was, um, he was not the me too type where we were, at least I wasn't sexually harassed, but it was definitely the time's up type. You know, I mean, uh, Oh the, yes. Uh, you know, I had a therapist describe him to me as an abusive husband. She, she's like, you are going to work every day and you're getting punched in the face. And then the next day, this person's coming and saying, I love you. I'm so sorry. You know? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. didn't recognize that for a long time. Cause I was there for, uh, I think I worked there. Yeah. Seven years, close to seven years, 2007, to, um, or six years, sorry, until 2013. So, um, it was, you know, when the day that I met you, you know, my genuine true hope was maybe he will change. 
maybe yeah. Sammy leaving because Sammy was the male co-host um, before John, who is there currently. Um, Sammy had left, I think, eight months before I did because they contractually held me because they did not want us both leaving at the same time to, to yeah. put, put yeah. up red flags, right? So Sammy had left eight or nine months before. And I thought, you know, maybe this is a wake-up call. Right, because the original cast, we we have we can't take it. Starting anymore. to shift, starting to break break up. Yeah, break up. So maybe I genuinely had hope for you that maybe he would change. That was and, that was my ooh. hope. Um. Well, no, that did not happen. <laughs> Instead, uh, it got worse. So there you I go. I walked <laughs> right into an abusive relationship. Not your fault, Sarah. So I want to name that. Um. And I and I know that feeling. Right. I do know that feeling because I wasn't. The last female co-host that came through, there was another. And I remember when the switch happened and I thought to myself, holy hell, I wish I could warn her. I wish I could tell her what this really is. And I don't know how you felt, but honestly, I actually was afraid. I was afraid at that time to speak up. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure you've learned, learned so much. You've grown as a woman. As I get closer yeah. to 40, I'm like, fuck everybody. Like, I don't- Fuck care. everybody. I would never, ever work in an environment like that ever again and stay for all that time. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, before you get help, before you talk to a a therapist or someone who goes, this isn't normal. I mean, I, I thought, was it something we did? Was it Sarah, you know, so honestly, I was genuinely afraid. Yeah. Yeah. I was afraid to speak up and, and like call you or anything, because I was like, if they find out the company and him, I, I don't know what they would do to me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I gotta tell you, okay. So basically, um, the story goes like this. Sarah leaves. I come in. The first year is honeymoon phase. It was it was beautiful. Um, and sometimes I even forget that because it's so overshadowed by the other three years of abuse. So the first year was incredible. Um, I just remember feeling like, holy hell, I, I'm getting paid this ridiculous sum of money. I am being myself. I am working with the greatest people on earth. And slowly but surely, what I started to notice was um, chronic lying. Chronic yeah. lying. That was my first tip off. I was like, wait, what? And, and it was it was lies that didn't make sense at all. Um, for instance, he had said on the air one time that it was Mother's Day. And he said that he had sent all of our mothers flowers. And I remember being like, that is so sweet. Now, this was prior to me realizing that... Um, you know, he was like kind of massively narcissistic. Sure. And so I was like, oh my God, that is so sweet. And then we get off the air and I'm like, wait a minute, was that radio magic or was that real? And he was like, oh no, it was totally real. And I was like, wow, that is so sweet. And he had said that he sent my mom flowers, John's mom flowers, Eric's mom flowers, just wonderful. And his mom's, and I was like, this is beautiful. And then all of a sudden it clicked in my head. How the hell does he know my mom's address? Right? So I'm like, uh, let me just, whatever. I'm curious now. So I asked him and I said, Hey, you know, how did, how do you have my mom's address? And he was like, Oh, because last year I was going to send her flowers and I asked you for the address and, uh, I kept it because I wasn't able to, but this whole, just the whole concoction of lies. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Now at the time I didn't even, you know, say, Hey, I know this is a lie, but I 100% knew it was a lie because I didn't know my mom's address. There's no way he could have asked me for it. My mom lived in a like a triangle cul-de-sac type deal with my grandpa on one house, my aunt on one house, and my mom in another house. And the addresses were so similar that there was no way I would remember. I would have had to, yeah, I would have had to 
literally call my mom. And I knew that, it, and it was just, that was the first thing where I was like, why would you lie about that? Yep. Just tell me it's radio magic. But it was that, and then it went into like a million other lies. Totally. I, I remember that. My, the first big lie he ever told to us was when we had first started, our boss at the time had bought a bottle of Dom Perignon and had given it when he, our first boss, who all put us together when he left and was going to another radio station, he gave us the bottle of Dom Perignon. And he said, when you guys hit number one, you should, you drink this in celebration, like of all your hard yeah. work. So the show went to number one eventually. And we all, he, you know, Kane rented a bus for us. We all went out. And when we, when he picked us up, he was already drunk. And we were like, Hey, you know, what, what was he doing? He's like, Oh my God. Yeah. I was hammered. I've been hammered all day. I had this bottle of Dom Perignon. Like he was so out of it. He confessed basically Told you that he drank your celebratory bottle. And, you know, then the whole night we had a great time and, you know, whatever the company or he paid for everything, but that always sat wrong with, me. that was always like, mm, wow. Just you the, know, the like, first, the first thing. Yeah. The first thing that I was like, you know what, this really isn't about, you know, cause I, I think when you were there too, it was always like, we're a family, we're a family. And it was never about family. I hate that shit because it's like, no, my family has never treated me ever like you had. Um, yeah. And that always was like a huge red flag for me, you know, because I, like he, and it was like, he said it in a way of, he didn't, he didn't even think we'd notice. Like it was so strange. And that was a series of lies, right? You know, we did a bunch yeah. of pranks and wore the roses and, you know, he would go on um, the internet and, and pose as like women and men and pretend that he had been on wore the roses to try to keep up that, you know, fake bit. And just lots of strange things came out. And I was like this for someone who has a family and everything, this yeah. is really not normal. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com It was, it was, there were, and I know for the helpers out there who are listening, um, you, you hear something like that and you're like, oh, that's not really that big of a deal, right? Because in the beginning you're like, oh, he, he was celebratory, he got drunk, it's probably, yeah, it, it might not, right? But after you've been through so much abuse, you start to go back and you start to di dissect every single piece of it, right? And then you're like, wait a minute. It started way before I even thought of it. Like it started from the very beginning. Yeah. I was just in the honeymoon phase and didn't realize it, right? So then you come out of the honeymoon phase. So we we gave you the little, the little tiny pieces. I was gonna say, do you wanna jump to the part where you used to throw yeah. keys at our head? Or that, that's where I was gonna go. Sarah, what for you, what was that moment where you were like, holy shit, this is abuse. This is like 
what was your your moment? Uh, you know what I still feel guilty about is he was actually the most abusive to Sammy. And he would throw keys at Sammy. He would get in Sammy's face. He would threaten Sammy physically. And Sammy was much smaller, young, like 21, 22. And it was like mm-hmm. almost like watching your sibling. It was sibling. bullying. Yeah. And it was like watching your sibling be abused and you don't have the words yet to stand up to the bully. Um, yeah. I mean, he kicked a trash can one time and smashed a picture in the studio of Shakira. I think that was like a signed poster that had oh, been damn, framed Shakira? in glass. Yes. Uh, but I think watching him uh, attack Sammy over and over was like, this is so fucked up. This is so yeah. fucked up. And um, when Sammy left, that abuse turned to me. And so it would, you know, with him, one day you'd go in and, which I'm sure spoke to his mental illness. And it was like, oh my God, I love you guys. Everything was great. The next day you go in, he would almost do the show with his back to us. You know, he wouldn't speak to you. Yep. He would move the mic when I said something funny, Sarah. He didn't want the listeners to know he found me funny. Like I would say something and he would be cracking up and he would either shut his mic off or move it. He literally didn't want people to know that it it was the weirdest shit ever. And it felt like I was, honest to God, it felt like I was being mind-fucked for years. Like, years. there were days where I was like, am I crazy? The, the gaslighting. So you were you were talking about the, watching the abuse of Sammy and things like that. And so when I came in, you know, actually, my very last day on the show um, was when I had enough of him and his abuse towards Eric, actually. Wow. I wasn't even defending myself. I was defending Eric because he got in Eric's face and he was pointing his finger and it was literally like almost bouncing off of Eric's forehead. He's just like in his face and there's spit coming out of his mouth. And I'm like, yo, you can't talk to people like that. What? And I, at this point I had had my breaking point because we had, I had had phone calls where he told me I needed to, um, you know, I'm the, the, I'm a mother and the breadwinner of my family. And, uh, you know, if I were you, I wouldn't do anything to jeopardize that. I could be working at McDonald's and I need to understand. Like, I mean, it was, there were times that I could not believe some of the things that came out of his mouth, just like the threats. And bigger, I think the bigger piece for me was how everybody was enabling it. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. And, and that was like, you know, as long as you were number one or, or, you know, everybody there made excuses. Well, he's passionate about his job. Well, you know, you could really work harder. And I remember that, like when, when stuff really started to turn left, it was like, well, you know, you got to really step up. You know, you don't do enough show prep. You don't write enough yep. for the roses, uh, cheater stories. You don't, you know, uh, you could get here a little earlier. It was control. It was always about control. Right. And it was everybody, management, other sales, you know, not everybody. A lot of people recognized pretty early on what he was like. And he he started to have issues with people. But um, a lot of people there were like, well, it's kind of you and Sammy and Sammy's late. And, you know, um, so, it, yeah, I mean, that that was kind of how I, I started to internalize it. Like, maybe it's me. I need to work harder. And, you know, by the time I had left, not only was I recognize the pattern of abuse, but I was so mentally and physically burnt out. You know, we were, had to be there at three 30 in the morning because yeah. now he wanted custom newses for all these, um, shows that we were at. And then, you know, then they had given me the midday shift, which I think you had mm-hmm. done. And so it just kind of kept going on and, you know, and, and we were there and then you'd go home and he demanded that we show prep for the show hours oh, it, at a time. Hours. Hours. Yeah. And 
the group text, if we didn't respond to a group text in a fast enough time, it, it was a yeah. problem. Yeah. And, you know, just the lies continued on. And Lord have mercy, okay? This was, I think, the, the, the breaking point for him in regards to me, I think, was a couple different things. When I got the job at TLC, right? Oh, wow. So I, yeah, I got that job at TLC. Oh, you were still there on, yes. on 99. Okay, okay, gotcha, yep. gotcha. Oh, I didn't realize those cross uh-huh. Yes, because this was a oh, big he didn't trigger. Like, he didn't like that shit. Yeah. He didn't like it at all. At, at that point, it was like, oh my God. And, you know, she's trying to elevate and like, aren't we all? Like, what are you talking about? But I never had any, in, like, any intention of just walking away from the show, you know? Yes. And so it was just like, I, I had the mentality, literally, if I'm winning, we're all winning. Like yes. that was my mentality. It's always been my mentality. Look, if I'm winning, we're all winning. We're a part of a show. And, and I and I had been, re- I really bought into the family aspect of it, right? Yeah. Completely. So in my mind, I was like, hell yeah, we're, look at us. We're, more people are listening. This is it. And and I didn't realize that what, what that was going to do to him. So then all of a sudden, everything I did was wrong. Every single thing I did was wrong. I couldn't keep up with it. And then the bigger thing I think is, is that he did not like being called out on anything. And, you know, at this point, um, he was going through a lot of personal things, a divorce, things like that. All these things were happening. And I was already way on to him. Like at this point, I had completely separated myself in the sense of this is not your family. Yeah. Um, you're being held hostage and you know it. So hang on until they, because he, at this point, I had already known he was trying to push me out. And so I honestly, Sarah, I got to tell you, I was on the verge of signing a three-year contract, another one. And so this is what was crazy. It was, I was up, re-upping for a three-year contract, okay? Mm-hmm. And I refused to sign it. And they kept saying like, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I was like, something like this, this isn't, I can't do this for another three years. Wow. And I'll never forget Tony Fly, another major radio personality, love one of the loves of my life. I love him so much. He said, go to work tomorrow and fucking sign that contract because he's pushing you out. You're not going to have to do three years. And I was terrified. I was so mad at him. I was like, Tony, I'm not wow. I was like, I can't work with people like this. And he goes, you will not have to, but go to work tomorrow and you sign that damn contract because he's pushing you out and you, they will have to pay you. And I was like, so terrified, but he was absolutely right. So I went to work the next day. Wow, and signed the Tony contract. gave you good advice. Yeah. Tony gave me great advice. So I signed the contract, right? That was when all hell broke loose right after the contract signing. And that was when I called him out on some racial stuff, um, some, you know, Freddie Gray stuff. He was so, oh my God, people don't understand. Like, I know you dealt with a lot of like the, the sexism part of it, but Sarah, the racism part of it was so fucked up. And you were there like at the tipping point. I feel like when, you know, Freddie Gray and uh, Trayvon Mm -hmm. Martin, when that, when, you know, because like prior to that, obviously that stuff was happening, but like we never touched on any of it. Right. And of course, you know, everybody on the cast, Sammy's Muslim, Eric's Hispanic, um, you know, Kane was white. I was white. So, so at the time when I was on pre 2013, None of the, we didn't address anything like that. It was like all fluff. And that was another reason I wanted to leave. I kept saying like, we, you know, we like people love us for like our friendship and stories. Why don't we do that instead of all these fake bits, you know, where we, right. and we'd have to go out and lie. And he would want us to lie that the pranks were real and the war, of the road. And, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going out and lying to these people who love the show, love yeah. us, put their faith in us. And you want don't us to lie. go out and lie. It's like, no, I'm not going to do it. So, so I, 
I had left before that, but I'm sure you got, you know, you all started to address and to have those conversations. And oh, so I'm no, sure no, lot- no. It was, it, if it would have been up to him, it didn't matter. And so when Freddie Gray was murdered in Baltimore, you got to remember we were Baltimore's morning show. Yes. Yeah. We were the morning show in Baltimore and he was not, he was going to go on and say absolutely nothing. And so I said, hey, listen, I know that this is a tough thing, but we cannot, at least if y'all can't, that's fine. But I am a black woman. I absolutely cannot get on the air this morning and pretend like Baltimore is not burning down. Freddie Gray was not, like Freddie Gray was not murdered. Like he was murdered. The city is burning down. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. And he was like, I got it. I got it. I got it. And I swear to God, he hit that mic and he said, the Kane show wants to pray for first responders. And I almost had a heart attack because no mention of, you know, no mention of any type. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then he hit the mic off and he said, maybe we should create the hashtag extraterrestrial lives matter. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. And I looked at him because he, at that point I was like behind a a computer screen and I stood up and he saw me and he remembered I was in the room because a lot of times I was loud. So you knew I was in the room. And I said, oh, no, no. Carry on with your racism. Don't stop because I'm here. Oh, I'm sure. And that then I went walked out. Well. Did not go over well. I wound up in a meeting, a, a Kane show meeting without Kane, um, to talk about racism. And I was pissed as hell. Like, why the fuck am I in this room? Okay. I don't have to talk about it. I live it. Why am I here? And why is he not here? And there were just like multiple things. And then, you know, just the the tip of the iceberg was when. <laughs> I told him like he needed, I said, you're, you're losing control. You need to get your life together. That was the day he had pointed at Eric in, in his forehead and he was just, and, and so many things had happened. People have no idea. Like it's, 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 you relive some of these things. And so basically I, I get pulled off the air. Um, and you know, cause he's, he needs some, it's a power thing. He needs to make sure he gains control and he doesn't anticipate the listeners are going to lose their shit when I just disappear. And they did. They lost their shit. And he was putting out messages about, I was just busy, as if that's ever going to be an excuse for someone not to go to work. Like, like uh, yeah. who can say that? After four I'm years. I'm busy. And Danielle, you never got, okay, so I know I had like a pre-written, pre-recorded goodbye that they played on the air. I wasn't in the studio. It was, it was you know, you go home or whatever, um, and we're going to air this every hour as Sarah's like one minute goodbye or something, right? But you never had that. It was just like one day you were gone. It was, I left the air. I was told not to come back into the building until after 3 p.m. I was I was in the building after 3 p.m. And I was re- still recording all the spots because of course they didn't want to lose any money. They were recording all the spots. At this point, um, I didn't even know what was happening. I legitimately thought that they were investigating him because there were, I thought this is the only logical thing. He, you know, they're going to, what I thought was they're going to control their talent and we're going to all go back to work. And that was not the case. So when the listeners started, this was weeks of me not being on the air. When the listeners started freaking out, you know, he kept saying, uh, she's busy, she's busy, she's busy. During that time, I lost uh, my cousin, my aunt, and my dog brother, okay, Taurus, who had been with us for like 16 years. And you know, that whole family thing, nobody even reached out. I, I like, I, and then of course, I'm hearing that he just keeps saying, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. So finally, I just put out on social media, she's, or I'm not busy. Because I just wanted people to, like, I was so silenced. I couldn't, uh, there was the only thing I could say. And sure enough, the moment that I posted that, um, who was it at the time? Meg, who was our, what the hell was her title? I don't know. I don't know, VP but, or some, yeah. 
the vice president of the damn company called so quick because they were monitoring all my social media. And I was like, so he gets, first of all, you didn't even call to say condolences. You're calling because you're monitoring my social media because a psycho is telling you I wrote, I'm not busy. I said, I'm actually telling the truth. He's lying. Why are you calling me? And so it was at that moment that I was like, I'm not going back. I don't care what they do. Like, don't call me unless you talk to a lawyer. This shit's crazy. Like, I don't know what's happening. So he goes to human resources and tells human resources that I sexually harassed him. Yeah, this I know. This I know. story is crazy and I know you've shared it many times and in your book, but it's unbe it's truly unbelievable and yet they believed him or you know yeah. they went with it. They went with it. 21 day investigation around there to prove that I wasn't a sex offender, which of course I wasn't. And, um, you know, this is a guy who would say awful things on the radio, off the radio. I said, have you ever listened to our show when human resources called me? I said, have you ever listened to our show? What are you talking about right now? Uh, yeah, he definitely said that I sexually harassed him was actually quite the contrary, to be honest. Um, you didn't have some of the Me Too stuff, but I absolutely did. Me Too and Time's Up, okay? By the way, side note, since you brought up Time's Up, Sarah, I literally emailed them um, during this whole thing. Wow. When Time's Up dropped, I emailed them. I, I, was, I was trying so hard to get a hold of the Time's Up movement because I felt so caged, so silenced, so wow. manipula- manipulated. I felt all these things, and, right? Yes, to be, and, and really to your point, I did actually witness sexual harassment. You know, he, uh, the shocker, like I'm sure everybody knows this, like whatever mm-hmm. sex term. Um, if you don't, you can look it up. But anyway, you know, he, we, that was always a joke, like giving people the shocker or whatever. Well, anyway, one time when we were in Tampa, he actually tried to do that. When, this was when he was married, leaving a Hooters to an intern um, who had a very short Exactly. On. Yeah. So, I mean, I did, I witnessed that. Did he physically do it to me? No, but he, I, I witnessed that. And, you know, I think we've just given a few stories, but I, I there's so many. There's a million. There's a million where we've seen physical and sexual abuse. You know, it's just crazy. Okay, I know what you're thinking. You're like, wait a minute. This podcast sounds like it's wrapping up and they seem to just be getting started. And you would be correct because we realized as we started having this conversation how much there really was to talk about and how much we needed to talk about it. And so the conversation lasted longer than we anticipated. And that's what happens when you're healing and you want to release things. And so we are absolutely going to be back with a part two. And we will talk about what happens when your abuser dies or disappears. What happens when they are never, never held accountable? What happens when you never get that sorry you've been waiting for? I know, I know, I hate to do it to you. We will be back, I promise. There will be a part two. You're just gonna have to wait a week. If you have a question that you would like us to answer, send us an email at podcast at stillkicking.co or you can DM us on Instagram at Podcast. That's at H-A-H-O podcast. Help a Human Out is produced by Emma Martins and Red Yoakum of Red Rock Music. It's brought to you by Still Kicking. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. Sarah Frazier will be back with me next week, and we will see you next time. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 